as a performance or um, be distracted. Let's just take this time in your own way, whatever your way is, um, to just go into worship with God. Um, however you, you feel you need to do that, I just challenge you to do that today um, because a lot's going on in our world. I mean, always, there's always something going on in our lives, right, that we can be distracted by. And so I just challenge you guys today, just for, I mean, the next, like, 45 minutes, because we don't come here in this school church just to, to do it, to make it a check mark off of our list. We come here to learn how to worship God. We come here to learn about Him so we can take it out with us. It's not just to come into this school and be like, okay, cool, I went to church this week. I'm, I'm done. Um, God wants to teach you, and he wants to show you that he loves you, and he wants to show you that he has a plan for your life, and that even in the week, that he's going to put things in your way. He's going to put people in your path that you, 
you can make a difference. But if we're not willing to worship when we're with the people of God, if we're not willing to enter in when we're here and it's a prime opportunity, then how are we going to do that on our own weekly? So I just challenge you guys in your own way right now, just worship God with us because that's what we want. We want his presence in this place, God. We ask for your presence in this crazy middle school cafeteria, God, because God, we can't do it without you. We need you, God. We need you. We want to experience you in a way that we never have, God. So meet us here today. Speak to our hearts, God, in a way like you never have. Thank you, Jesus. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. See things like you do, God. I look to you. You where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do.
God, we love you so much. God, we just, we ask, God, that you would allow us in this time, God, where it seems like there's so much turmoil, there's so much hate, there's so much division. Lord, unify us. Help us, God. Help us to be that love, that light. That doesn't speak hate for hate, but loves that hate. That loves that hate back to you. God, in spite in spite of what's happening, God, in spite of division, in spite of sickness, God, in spite of hate, we still praise you, God. We still worship you. You are God, and you are God alone. There is no one like you, Jesus. together today, Lord, with one heart, God, we still praise your name, we let your love wash over us, God, God, we sing over our nation today, over our families, be with us today, Lord Jesus. Restore. 
circumstances a saint. All the earth will shout your praise. Hearts will cry. These bones will sing. of our circumstances, we stand and declare today, great are you, Let your praise cancel your circumstance today. Lift it up to him. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you. Come on, sing it again. It's your breath in our lungs. So 
just give out your praise this morning from your lungs. Just think about that physically, exertion. Just let it out one more time. It's your breath in our lungs so that we may worship you. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. God, this morning we sing, Great Are You, Lord. God, it's a crazy week, God, but regardless of what's happening nationally or globally, God, even in our own personal lives this morning, God, Lord, we look at ourselves right this morning, God, and we reflect back up to you, God, and we say in our life this morning, God, in our, in our spirit, in our soul, in this place, God, we, just, we decide to declare that great are you, Lord. I hope you mean that, church. It's not just me up here saying that. But in your own heart, in your own words, in your own actions this morning, that great are you, Lord. Lord, we stand today on your promise, on your word, on your foundation, God, that we're not our own rock, God. You are our rock. We're not our own shield. You are our shield this morning, God. Lord, and you are our tower that we believe in this morning, God. Lord, we may, we, may we just amplify, God, and glorify and magnify your name this morning. God, this church decides to worship you this morning, our King, God, our King. You are King, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give God a hand. Amen. 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 You guys can be seated. Thank you for standing in worship. Hey, Brittany. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Amen. Um, we're going to continue in our in our worship and our giving, and uh, we're in a, the, the the week uh, the month of November is the is the month of what Thanksgiving. That was pretty lame. We'll try it again. November is the week the month of what? That was the wrong answer. No, I'm just kidding. Just like boom, boom, Thanksgiving. So we talked about this last week. Um, we uh, we partner with uh, is is Isaac or Jamie here? Did I see Jamie? There she is. She's like I'm back here. So um, we mentioned this last week, Jamie, but we're deciding uh, this, this month to, uh, to partner um, with uh, UO Denver, also known as uh, Urban Outreach Denver. And I talked about it last week. Um, I'm going to read your mission statement real quick, if that's okay, or can you recite it? No? <laughs> I don't know if I could do ours either. Um, so Univer uh, Urban Outreach Denver, we partner with, we've been partnering with you guys for several years. Sure. You guys have declared this your home church, I think, and so that's just amazing. So thank you, thumbs up. Uh, their kids are uh, joining us, and we're just so honored to have you guys. And so each year, we, we want to give to something specifically above and beyond. Um, we call it tithes and offerings. So tithes means a tenth, and tithe is kind of the, the weekly, monthly thing that you give to this church. Um, we live in the, in, uh, biblically, it, uh, it teaches us to give to your local church, and so that's our tithes, okay? Offering is now above and beyond that, all right? And so um, this month specifically, throughout the month, we decided to, to partner with Urban Outreach, and we want to give you guys a gift. We don't know specifically what that may be, uh, but I wanted to read the Denver, uh, UO Denver mission. UO Denver, and they're only about 15 minutes south of here, uh, right in uh, Five Points, right, in North Denver area. Uh, UO Denver exists to connect people to God and to a community of support by caring for both short-term and long-term needs in the area of food, clothing, shelter, 
medical care, education, and job preparation. And um, we just love your guys' mission. We love your heart, your, you know, everything that you guys, um, we just feel a kindred spirit with, with UO Denver. And uh, so we're going to ask you guys to challenge you um, above and beyond what you may give to the church and, and Hill City Church uh, that this month that uh, we want to raise um, our goal is $2,000. And um, you guys might be like, well, let's hope somebody else gives to that. Um, you know, $10, $20, whatever it may be. Some may be $100, $200, I don't know. But we want to set a goal of $2,000 um, to bless and to plant a seed and to continue to support UO Denver. Amen? Thank you, sir. So I, I, would, I asked you guys all to, to help give to that. Um, you, can, you can put on your Thanksgiving, you can put in the Thanksgiving envelope. I think there's a few of them around. Um, and also online, there's a Thanksgiving designation um, that, we, that we'd ask you guys to give to. All right? Amen? Amen. Um, so I'm going to have uh, Everett come up, and he's going to help me with this next section. He's, uh, he, 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 um, people are like, nice tie. Like, yeah, he, he kind of challenged me to a, a, a tie war. Here, why don't you, um, yeah, that's good. Are you good? Okay. So Everett's going to help me with this next announcement, all right? And um, so I'm going to ask him a few questions. Talk in your mic and see if it works. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> All right, so what are we doing in Hill City Kids today, Everett? We're packing homeless care packages. Great. Um, and why, why are we, so what's, what's, in these, uh, what's in these homeless care packages There's, that we're doing? There's um, socks, water bottles, and food. What else? There's some cough drops and also some hand sanitizer. Nice, cool. So where did the uh, where did the the supplies come from? We can grab a bag right here. So where did these supplies come from? They came from the donations of Hill City Church. What else? And that some of it came from companies like Xfinity. That is not an endorsement. <laughs> It's so funny he mentioned it to me. I'm like, yeah, he said, there's hand sanitizers that say Xfinity on them. I'm like, okay. Um, so, um, um, so why are we doing this? Because some, because God says in the Bible, care for homeless people. Yeah. So why else are we doing this? How are we going to help the homeless? So we're going to give them the care packages that would that we packed and they'll have stuff that can help them. How many care packages are we going to give away? 200 care packages. 200. <laughs> That's fantastic. Two Great. to each household. Two to each household. Um, so tell us, you, we got to hand out one of these this week. Tell us about that experience. I was happy and sad. I was sad because he was having a a leaky valve in his heart and he was getting surgery but I was happy because my sister gave him a quarter and um, my mom said she was really happy about that Good. so any, any other last thing you want to say thank you everybody for get do donating money and stuff cool give him a hand 
Good job, Everett. Hold on a second. Um, so we are we're gonna do right they're actively did you get the picture up there already I may have missed it my bad um, but they're active they're right now as we speak they're uh, they got the assembly line going we don't typically do this in Hill City kids I promise um, uh, it's not for our benefits like we had all these kids let's put them to work um, so um, ignore him <laughs> the uh, but uh, they're right. They're back there right now, stuffing all these bags. So thank you guys. Like Everett already said, I don't need to repeat it. You did a great job, buddy. And uh, um, so they're putting together all these bags, and we hope to have them done by the end of the sermon. Um, but uh, if you can pick up one or two, two at the most for your family. And um, my wife said this is about meet, uh, seeing a need and meeting a need. It's that simple. How often do we see it? We're like, I'll pray, pray for you. I'll bless you. The Bible talks about it. don't just pray. How can someone believe in God if you don't even meet their basic needs? So this is to equip you guys. Put it in your car. There's plenty of guys, like when you're just driving down the road, or even drive to an area where there's homeless and, and go out and intentionally hand out these packages. Amen? Um, so take them. If, if we don't get through them all today and we don't have them all ready, we'll have the, the remainder uh, ready next week. All right? Um, so what, ushers, why don't you guys come forward, and we'll, uh, we'll pass out the bags. And at this time, I'd like to invite uh, Bob Hogue. Hogue? Bob Hogue. Bob Hogue, Robert Hogue, up, and he's going to do um, a, a mini presentation, or, or talk on um, POWs and, uh, and, my, and Veterans Day. So welcome, Bob. Thank you. This is the um, POW MIA Remembrance. And as you entered the church today, you may have noticed a small table in a place of honor. It's off here to my right. It is set for one. This table is our way of symbolizing the fact that members of our profession of arms are missing from our midst. They are commonly called POWs or MIAs. We call them brothers. They are unable to be with us today, and so we remember them. This table is set for one, symbolizing the frailty of one prisoner alone against his oppressors. Remember. The tablecloth is white, symbolizing the purity of their intentions to respond to their country's call to arms. Remember. The single red rose displayed in a vase reminds us of the families and loved ones of our comrades in arms and keep the faith awaiting their return. Remember. The red ribbon tied so prominently on the vase is reminiscent of the red ribbon worn by the, on, upon the lapels and breasts of thousands who bear witness their unyielding determination to demand a proper accounting of our missing. Remember. The candle, the candle is lit, symbolizing the upward reach of their unconquerable spirit. Remember. A slice of lemon is on the bread plate, 
to remind us of their bitter fate. Remember. There is salt upon the bread plate, symbolic of the family's tears as they wait. Remember. The glass is inverted. They cannot toast with us this day. Remember. And the chair. The chair is empty. They are not here. Remember. Remember. All of you who served with them and called them comrades, who depended on their might and aid and relief upon them, for they surely, they have not forsaken you. Remember. Remember until the day they come home. Remember. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is one of the poems I've written. Uh, it's in my Tear Scars in Wallen, D.C. The poem's called The Pointed Fingers of the American POW MIAs. What are we willing to accept to forget our missing heroes? Are we willing to accept 10? Twenty, a hundred, or a thousand dollars? What value are we willing to place on a human life? And just in case you forgot, there are 2,400 prisoners of war or missing in action still in Southeast Asia. The citizens of America seem to have forgotten them. The media seems to have forgotten them. The system that sent them to war is forgotten. Is that what happened or what we want to think happened? I think it's, I think that at some point we sold them out. We as individuals sold them out by buying the government lie willingly. We have let the government sell them out by letting them seem so inconvenient to their public political image. The public image that says, we never lose. Corporations of America have sold the POW MIAs out. We have all forgotten why they went to war. They went because we asked them to. Even now, when we try to remember, corporate money can buy our memories. If we choose to reserve for them a seat of honor and remembrance, how dare we set, sell that seat com committed to their missing leadership? We may not have received any money. We may not, we have only thought we may receive money instead of selling the rights of citizenship for actual money. I think we sold them for mere promises. I stand in a just and fair America and accuse you of murder. Murder of the spirit 
leadership of America, those who followed your orders to fight for America. They look to you for their freedom. And I've seen you turn and look away. I've seen you turn and walk away, never making eye contact. Convenient, isn't it, to write off a human life for a few baubles? Freedom is expensive. It is paid for in lives of patriots. Someone paid the price for you. Won't you at least get, help get their bodies home? If any of these soldiers are still alive, haven't they paid enough to come home? If you won't remember them in foreign prisons, won't you let them be at home before you let them fade away? As long as they are in prison, America is in prison. As long as they are in the war zone, the war goes on. Bring us all home by remembering to bring the forgotten ones home. We remember. Won't you please not sell us out again? Or are you satisfied by a few bubbles? Strong. Thank you. Here, I got that. guys can be seated. If we have veterans in the house today, if you can just, just stand, we just want to honor you. Where do you go from that? You know, I, I think it's good for us to just to remember back. I don't know how many of you guys have been affected uh, by war or by friends that have gone to war, have, have not come back. Um, I was just sharing with um, um, the leadership this morning that my, uh, my grandfather in the Korean War, he went out and he never came home. So um, my mom, she was born the same year, and she never got to meet her father. So uh, you know how that affects 
just life after life, and I was just asking, I was asking her questions about how it is to uh, to grow up as a, with a single mother in, in during wartime. You know, I was just asking the hardships that they had to face, and just know that people are who have gone to war or who haven't come back, or um, they have brothers that have died in in battle, and just uh, just honor them. That's why we give honor. We give honor uh, to those who deserve honor. If you're a guest here, uh, welcome to Hill City Church. My name is John, and uh, just glad that you guys are here. And, and um, uh, we're going to continue through the series, and it's, gonna be, it's called Meet Jesus. For the last, I don't know, 12, 13 sermons, we've been just going through the book of Mark, and all we're doing is just revealing who Jesus is. A lot of times we have ideas and we have thoughts because we watch media. I, I think most of our theology and ideas of who Jesus is, we get from media, you know? Oh, that's who Jesus is. He's like this, he's like that. That's why I wanted to erase that, and I want us to get back to who Jesus really was of the Bible. So we were going verse by verse through the book of Mark, and I believe it's radically speaking into our hearts. It's like looking at Jesus for the first time, rethinking what it means to follow Jesus, to be a Christian, not in ideology, but in activity, living life like he would live our lives through our life. So last week we talked about the kingdom of God and how everything is flipped upside down and how Jesus creates a new way of being human. If you missed last week, please catch last week. If you missed it, just catch it online because it's the heart of who we are as a church. We believe everything is flipped upside down. We do. He turns everything upside down. To get, you give, right? So this month, we're, do, we're, doing, we're, we're linking up with Jamie and Isaac, and they don't even know. We're just doing it. We do, that's just how we do, right? I, I, I want us to give in a way that, act, that will, like, benefit them, that not just, like, sustain for a little while. That would benefit you greatly. So put aside, if God has blessed you this year in your business, in your life, man, put aside something of thanksgiving. Nothing's staying here. It's just going. It, we are an outlet. We are, we're, not an, we're, not, we're not just holding things in. We're, we're an outlet. We're a, a church, a people of God is an outlet of God's grace and God's mercy and God's love. That's what you are. We're not here to say, give me more. Because in our getting, if you do not release, you're not really getting. That's just how things work in life. Because it's an upside-down kingdom. Jesus says, to get, we give. To be full, we empty. To retain, we release. To go up, you go down. To be first, you're last. Jesus changes everything. Because this is how Jesus came. Though he was king, he was a servant. Though he was rich, he became poor. Though he was the judge, he was judged. He had everything but became nothing he triumphed over sin, not taking up power, but releasing it. He won through losing. And some of us, uh, we think Christianity is all about winning. No, it's actually the flip. You live life losing yourself to God and to others. And when you do that, you actually find yourself. That is the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. And people who live this way in the history of Christianity change their world. They absolutely changed their world. Now, this week, it's been pretty eventful, right? It's been very eventful. Uh, we have a new, uh, we have this polarizing presidential race. People feel divided or hurt, and now people are processing. Even in this room, uh, right now, a fourth of you are excited about the new news, right, of the new presidency. Another fourth of you are still shocked. You're still managing. You guys are processing things through. And there's another half of you who didn't vote because you, couldn't, you, you felt like you couldn't vote for either party. You felt like you, you re really felt that. 
And so you roll the dice, and you're like, whatever happens, happens. And then there's like a little bit of you who are just mad about the Broncos losing to the Raiders. Right? You're like, I don't care about anything. They lost. But no matter what, I want to say this. I want us to be reminded that God is in control. And I don't say that just blatantly. I am telling you, God is in control. He's not scared. But let us not dismiss the real fears that people are feeling. Because I'm watching, like, on social media, they, you know, everyone's like, God is in control. God is in control. And you lost. You suck. Right? I'm like, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. And I'm like, this is crazy how we use God's word to p- empower our points and to push, to suffocate others. And I'm like, this is crazy. That's what it means to use the Lord's name in vain. It's not to say in, in, in a cursing, cursing way. It's actually to use God for your benefit, to glory yourself and not God himself. That's using the Lord's name in vain. I feel like we're doing it and we are applauding each other like, oh, that's so good. That's so good. That's a good verse. And, and so I'm just telling you, don't do that. Don't be crazy. Because there's real fears from immigrants, from uh, those who uh, feel marginalized, our Muslim neighbors, our LGBT community neighbors, to the refugees who are honestly, genuinely fearful. No joke. And in these moments, these heartbreaking moments, I pray that we move in faith and love. We are called into the storms of life, not to run from it. We are called to be a life message. So today, don't fall into doom and gloom or I told you so. Rather, make it an opportunity like we our name, uh, our namesake. Let your light shine so they, they would see your life, your good works, and glorify God in heaven. We shine in darkness. That's what we're called to. But also, pray for our president. Pray for him. His success is the success of our country. And if you fail, if you want him to fail, there's something just in you that's wrong as well. So check your heart too. Martin Luther King said this, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate. So guard your heart and tongue. Jesus said, love your enemy and pray for those who abuse you and persecute you. That's a flipped upside down thought, right? Lead your children because they, too, are processing through this. Don't join in the bashing. The presidential race is over, but your personal race and mission is ever expanding. It is. And with that in mind, I want Robert Vargas to come up, and he's going to read Mark 4. Jesus calms the storm. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Just as he was in the boat, there were also others, or other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, Don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
That's the word of the Lord. Amen. We celebrate the word of God. We believe it reveals Jesus and Jesus changes our lives. So in this passage, Mark gives us all this like, like unnecessary detail. Have you ever, if you, you, as you're reading this, it's like, it was like he was sitting in the stern of the boat. It doesn't move the passage forward. He was sitting on a cushion, right? You're like, okay. There were other boats right next to them too. Right? They were leaving at this time. Jesus didn't change his clothes. He just got on the boat. I'm like, if you're a writer, that's so stupid, right? Which tells you this was an eyewitness account. This was not legend. When you're writing a legend, you don't add that in. Just more proof that the Bible was written. That's written proof. The, because if you were saying, oh, no, they added that in. They just, you know, uh, the, the church uh, it, later on added all that stuff in. No, no, no one adds that stuff in. That would be dumb to add in, right? It's in there because it was eyewitness account or the Jewish fishermen somehow changed liter uh, uh, just literature for the first time because no one has ever wrote that way before. Either You can pick one, right? I would say one is harder to believe than the other, right? So this is going on. An eyewitness account of Peter is going on. And, 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 and we're jumping in. Mark 4, 35 says, On the day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him with them on board just as he was. He didn't change, use a bathroom, didn't anything. Just as he was, he just got on the boat. And other boats were with them because that's so in, in, invaluable information there. So if Jesus is God, he knew that storms were coming, right? He knew. And, and yet, think about that for a moment. Yet he told them, let's go into this big giant lake, knowing that there's a great storm coming. Think about that. Jesus purposely leads people into the storm. I, 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 I like to just, we have to bite down on that because a lot of us, our view of Jesus is anything negative is the devil, right? Everything good is gay Jesus, boo devil, right? But yet Jesus is his, he's guiding people into the storm. He's like, oh, let's go. It's perfect time. I think a storm's coming. And uh, that thought is hard to, hard to accept that Jesus leads us into the storm. Take a look at our lives right now. Some of us, we're in a storm. I'm telling you, some of us, we feel like, what is going on? There is just water coming in to our lives, and we are just trying to bucket it back out, and we feel like we're not doing a good job. Some by own, our own decisions, some by that's how life has le led us. We did the right things the right way, and still we're in the wrong mess. And I want to ask you, what if Jesus was leading you into that, not taking you out of it? Into the pain. Ooh. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to hear that sort of Jesus. I, I would rather hear about like skinny jeans, Jesus petting a lamb, wearing fake glasses and long hair. He has a nice beard. He uses beard oil. We like soften Jesus up, right? We love to soften Jesus up. But there's a Jesus in the Bible that's not the Jesus that you think he is that leads you into the storm, into pain, into hardship. Chew on that for a moment. Many of us, that does not fit our version of Jesus. But that's not the Jesus that you have in mind. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. Because he leads people into storms. Because God knows there are certain things only learned in the storm. I'm going to say that again. God knows there are certain things for you that is only learned in the storm, in the hardship, in the pain, in your tears. In our tears. I know that sounds like harsh, but in this message, I want to show you that that is love. 
That is love. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, and the boat were already filled. But he, Jesus, was on the stern in the back of the boat. I didn't know what the stern, I thought the stern was always the front of the boat. They're like, no, it's the back of the boat. It's the back of the boat. Uh, that tells you what I know, right? Asleep on a cushion. I think that's a hilarious, like, definite, like, Jesus was on the back of the boat sit, s- sleeping on a cushion. Like, you really had to add that in? He's, like, chilling on a cushion. Like, this make, it makes me laugh. If you know Mo's dad, Steve, he comes here, and he always brings a cushion. The chairs are hard, right? He's like, I have back problems, my legs hurt, so I'm going to bring a cushion, right? So I brought, I brought this Broncos cushion, right? Right? I brought the Broncos cushion, and uh, anytime you see Steve Jackson, he's like, what's up, John? I'm like, nice cushion, right? Because <laughs> he knows. He's expecting these chairs to be hard. So anytime in life you see Jesus bringing a cushion, you better get ready for rough seas. Because you know, oh, let me, let me feel this. That's so much better. That's so much better. My back does not hurt anymore, right? But you know you need a cushion, right? You know when Jesus brings a cushion, things aren't going to be good. And that's what it was going on. Just like Steve was prepared, Jesus was prepared for rough seas. And the disciples didn't notice that Jesus brought a cushion. Because if he knew they brought a cushion, they would have been ready, right, for rough seas. And can you, can you just imagine Jesus asleep in the middle of a storm? It makes me laugh. He's now worried. He has peace before the storm, in the storm, and after storm. Because peace is not external. Peace is internal. That's huge for us to get because we're looking to grab a hold of some peace in our life. If I can have this, if I had that, if this was set up in my life, then I would have peace. But peace has never been external to something you can hold on to. Peace has been internal to God that we trust. Peace is found in something greater than the circumstance. And I see that in funerals. I see it in funerals. In funerals, no matter what, it's sad, right? And if the world, if this world is all there is, then the funeral is like the worst funeral you can ever go to. It is so sad because that's it. There is no more hope. None. So people grieve so deeply. But if we believe in Jesus, there is hope beyond death. Peace beyond death. We have peace we can hold on to. I even find in some Funerals where people are strong in their faith, that there's even joy in moments that they hold on to. So here's Jesus sitting on his Denver Broncos cushion, sleeping like a heavy set Korean. Not like a baby, because babies don't sleep well. I'm like, who says sleep like a baby, right? Like, no, I don't want you to sleep like a baby. I want you to sleep like a 220 pound Korean, right? You're just done. You're out. Right? Jesus was sleeping like a Korean on the back of that boat. And I I thought it was amazing. But I I have this for, uh, I'm going to give this to some Bronco fans all the way over here. Here you go. Look at these guys. They're all Broncoed out. I'm going to give this to you guys. Here you go. So you can sit on the cushion with Jesus over there. But I was just thinking, Jesus is all asleep. And the disciples wake up Jesus and said, and this is verse 38, Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care? And every one of us has, been, has, has asked this about God. Christian or not, you've asked this question in some way. God, don't you care? God, are you even there? God, do you see what I'm going through? Do you even care? 
Do you care, God? I believe this is a very honest question revealing in the asker where their faith has been placed. Think about this for a moment. Is God only God when things are good or when things go our way or when all our questions are answered or when life is easy? Or is God still God in the storms of life when you have been punched in the stomach by life and you can barely breathe? Have you ever been smacked by life and you're like, (laughs) you're just trying to get air and you're like, I don't know if you've ever lost your breath. My brother used to beat me up all the time, all right? And, and, and uh, man, I got him back later on when I got bigger than him. But he used to just, be, he sat on, one time he sat on top of my chest and just punched me in the nose. Yeah, we, then we fought, and I hit him with a chair when he didn't look, right? That was my life. That's how we did, right? That's what happens with no parental provision, right? <laughs> they, they, they were watching, so we were just, we were out of control, right? And I remember just like, he punched me one time right here, and you just lose it. You're like, <laughs> you're like, what? He's like, what, John? Yeah. And I just realized, sometimes life hits you that way. You don't even know how to respond. You're like, I, I can't even stand. I can't even stand. And, and that, that's, how, uh, that's how life hits us sometimes. Is God God based on our outcomes? Based on how we feel? Or is he God no matter what? No matter what. This is a question Jesus is trying to teach his disciples in the storm. And that is what Jesus is trying to teach us in the storms of life. Am I still God? When everything is shaking. Think about that for a moment. Am I still God? Or do you just freak out like God doesn't exist anymore? I feel like that's American Christianity. God is only God. When things are not shaking, oh, God has blessed me. Mm, let me. Let me show you my blessings of God. And the world is saying, show me your scars. Show me your scars, the things you've been through, the things that are tough when you're knocked down because people are all knocked down down we can play like everything is going well that we can smile on our face and you do how you doing blessed how about you brother blessed we can play that game or we can say man i got i got punched in the face this week man but i got through it i got through it what are we holding on to talk is cheap who are you when everything sucks when it's hard when you lose because that's the real you What do you hold on to when your safety is gone, when your money is gone, when your health is weak, when your relationship is rocky? Who are are we in the storm? The disciples cried, teacher, do you not even care that we are perishing? And he woke. He woke up. He's like, huh? Right? And he rebukes the wind. It doesn't say like he did some incantation. He was like, in the name of the sea, uh, Jesus was like, "Uh, be done, be still. And it's like, it's like waves stopped. It's like uh, waves took a break. It, it literally, the word means it was dead calm, like like nothing was going on. And 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 he says, "Peace, be still," because Jesus doesn't bring peace into the situation. He was showing them, "I am peace. Wherever I am, there's peace. And when you take me out of this situation, there will not be peace because I am peace." Everything can be taken away in a moment, yet in Jesus we have peace. Peace is that passes all understanding. Sometimes God pe- brings peace to our situations, and sometimes God brings peace into our heart. 
and let you go through the storm. Both ways, Jesus is saying, peace, be still. Peace, be still. Knowing that I'm in the boat with you. A peace that even death cannot take away. So grab your cushion, folks, into the storm, knowing that you'll make it. Peace, be still. I want you to think of whatever storm you're going through right now. I, I want you to hear not my words, but God's words. Peace, be still. Let him strengthen you, grow you, make you, build you, reveal the faith in you in the storm. Then Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still have no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is then this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. They were first scared of the storm. Now they're scared of Jesus. <laughs> I can just imagine, though. Eh? Okay, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm scared of them. They were scared of Jesus in this moment. They were terrified because they, 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 they didn't really know him. And that's a big portion of the scripture. You thought the disciples were hanging out with him, that at some point they would know him. But after this event, they're like, we don't know this guy at all. <laughs> This is a guy who stops the storms. We thought he was a good teacher or a prophet or a good rabbi. He's just a nice dude, a revolutionary. I wanted to get behind him, but now we know who he is. He's God. And the fear began to fill their hearts. Many of us, Jesus is our homeboy. He's just the guy we go to. He's our escape. He's our, he's our parachute during bad times. But I want us to start from a place where the Bible starts and where he, Jesus is going to push you into the storm if you don't get this. That he is God himself. He is God. And it says where fear, the fear of the Lord, the reverence for the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, is the beginning of all life, it's the beginning of all faith. When we get that right, our view of God right, and we talked about that last week, that's why I want you to listen to that message or watch that message. If you get your view of God right, everything gets set into motion. If your view of God is wrong, he's going to kick you into another storm. He says, go get a cushion. So, do we have a God who hates us or does he love us? See, we can have this mixed feeling, but these guys found out this is God in the storm. I want to give you three points that we can take with us. Number one, storms are a checkup. Say a checkup. Right? Storms don't produce fruit. They reveal, they don't, redu uh, they don't produce faith. They reveal it. Storms don't produce faith. They reveal our faith and unbelief. And this might sound strange to you, but when was the last time you checked on your faith in God? I know we don't do this, right? Oh, I never checked on it. We, I just have it. <laughs> Jesus is going to send you into a storm so you get checked. It's like going to the doctors. We don't want to go to the doctors, but Jesus is like, you got to go to a faith doctor. And my faith doctor is the storm, is hardships of life to check your faith. Is your faith real or just ritual? And I want you to ask that for yourself because I'm giving you a checkup. Is your faith real or is it just ritual? Are you checking up? Are you growing? Or are you, is the faith in you growing or is it dying or is it dead? So if you have not faced storms, you don't even know the legitimacy of where your faith stands. I know that's, this is tough words, but this is why Jesus takes people in storms. It's scary. Listen, I know it's scary, and storms might cause us harm, but hidden unbelief will cause you eternal harm. And Jesus 
man, he loves us so much, and it looks like storms are uncaring. But in, in this thought of Christ, it is most caring. It's most caring. I know we're like, oh, we don't like that. No, it's most caring. Have you ever taught your kids how to ride a bike? The moment you let go of that bike and they fall, they hate you immediately. You're like, I can't believe you let go of the bike. You don't care about me. But actually, as a parent, you want them to grow and understand the joys of riding a bike, the freedom of doing this. And so you have to let them fall. You have to let go of that bike or they will never experience it. And I've done this before. Can you imagine if you never let go of the bike? They're like 40 years old. You're like, you're almost there. Oh, don't. I'm not going to let go. You're almost there. That would look ridiculous, right? And God's not going to do that with you. He's going to let go of that bike and let you fall and hurt your knees. And we might turn around and say, Why? You, you must hate me. No, it's him being most caring. It's for your joy. It's for our joy to let us fall. Number two, storms stop arrested development. Arrested development, it just means, it's a, it's a medical term, which means when a child stops growing in the natural progression of mentally or physically, when they're stuck, when they're just stuck. If our child stopped grew, uh, growing at the age of two, we would say something is wrong. We'd take him to a doctor, right? Is, is this true, parents? But if we stop growing in faith, we're like, oh, it's all good. Just wear a Jesus t-shirt. Then you, then you did, did you? Just listen to some Caleb and then you're good. You're good. We don't do checkups like we do on our children, but God is, is our father, and he's saying, you're not growing. You're not progressing. And it, how crazy would it be if our child was stuck at two years old, right? We, we would be, we'd be so afraid and so hurt because we love our child so much, and God in the same way loves you so much, he can't have you stuck in arrested development. So storms stop arrested development. Because we have to navigate. Some of us were stuck today, I'm telling you, spiritually. Because we have navigated away from every storm. Anytime you're confronted, you run away, right? You we retreat, we hide, we run from things. Many of us have been running far too long, never dealing with our issues. And I see this in marriages. If you don't work through your issues, rather pre uh, pretend like it never happened, that's stupid. I'm just, just throwing it out there. Like, I'm not a marriage counselor, honestly, because if I was, like, in the room, I'd be like, that's stupid. Like, that's why they don't let me do that, right? But because when you don't face it, it's like an open wound. It, it starts to infect everything. And listen, parents, the things that you don't deal with today, your children will deal with tomorrow. Bottom line. Parents, listen. The things you don't deal with today, I know this for me personally, your kids will deal with tomorrow. And I see, see this in marriages. I see this in how we deal with our past and unforgiveness. We walk around the issue because we want to justify ourselves, even though Jesus died for our sins and died for our justification. Yet everyone else sees your mess, but you pretend, you think that no one sees it, but they all see it. You're fooling no one. Arrested development. God loves you so much, he won't let you remain the same. So here comes the storm. And number three, storms lead us to Jesus and to others. It leads us to Jesus. Let me give you some insight about you and me. You ready? When everything is going great, it's easy to forget about God. When things are going great, you think you did it. When things are going bad, you think God did it. 
Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny how dark our hearts can be? When things are going so good, but you're like, you know, I just, you know, I just had these skills. You know, I just put it together. It was kind of easy for me. It's just, you know, I was kind of born that way. It was my skills, my, my, how smart I am. I did it. And then something goes wrong. You're like, I can't believe God's doing this in my life. And it's so crazy. That's the natural inclination of our hearts. And in knowing your darkness and knowing my darkness, how do we face life differently? We say, God, I'm okay when you send the storm. It's to humble me, to get me on my knees, to break my pride, to reveal the sin in me. God loves us enough to hurt us. Breathe that one in. God loves you and loves me enough to hurt us. And we might not fully understand the extent of that, but God loves you so much that he will break your hand so that you will let go of the sin that will eventually kill you. He will break your hand, not out of hate or angst against you, but he will break your hand so that you will let go of the very thing that will lead you into your own demise, into your own death. So God will hurt us so that we don't wreck our eternal soul. As we close today, I want to tell us this. As Christians, you know that there is a one day coming and there's the greatest storm that mankind will face. And it's the judgment seat of God. And we don't talk a lot about it, but there is a judgment that is coming, a storm of eternity, and that's why Jesus came in the first place so that he could face judgment for us. By his death on the cross, he took on the wrath of God so that you and me, we could stand right with God. None of our doing, zero percent of our doing, all in Christ. And so when you put your faith in Christ and you get on his boat, no matter how crazy the storm of life is, you know that you're going to make it home. Growing up in church, I heard pastors say things like this. If you would die tonight, would you make heaven your home? Anyone heard that before? I think most of us. But I want to ask you a different question that I, I just learned. If you don't die tonight and you make it until tomorrow, how are you going to live your life? I think that's the greater question for most of us in this room. Because I'm not trying to fear you. I'm asking you, what are we living for? Do we live like Jesus is, in, is real, that he died for us, and that there is a greater storm coming? Or do we live as if nothing happened? telling you. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. I know this is a lot to suck in, but it's crazy that Jesus would lead us into the storm to reveal our true faith so that one day we would never lose faith in him. Just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Struggle with your own faith. Do a checkup. Am I right with God? Is my faith even growing? Am I a two-year-old trapped in a 37-year-old's body? Have I been way more stressed out because I have put my faith and my peace in everything else in this world instead of Christ? That reveals what we put our faith in. If you are full of anxiety today, if you are full of stress, 
we feel like giving up, I'm telling you, we need to change where we have placed our peace. If you're in this room and you just need the peace of God in your life, I just want you to respond to Christ by raising your hand. Yeah. Just raise your hands high. And I'm going to speak over the words of Christ when he said, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. You are our peace. You are our peace. You can put your hands down. For the rest of us who are in here, I pray make this a moment. If you are far from Christ, you need to run to just run to him and say, God, I need to get right with you. If you've never have given your life to Christ, I don't care how long you've been going to church and not been going to church, if you have, you know that you are far from Christ and you have not given lordship over to him you, and you need to confess him today, just raise your hand. I will just pray for you. Anyone in this room, I need Jesus right now. I don't care who's in this room. I need Jesus right now. I need Jesus right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for all those who are who are in this room, God, that they would make Christ their peace and Christ their Lord. And as we leave today, it's not if we die to tonight, if we'd make our heaven our home. I'd say we remember if we wake up tomorrow, how will we live in reference to how Jesus died for us and loved us? May we leave this room with that heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Get connected. Get into groups. It's in the lobby. It's in the website. But more than anything, do a checkup in your life this week. And then in reference to that, live out your faith. God bless you.